Good morning and welcome to Grace. If you're here visiting with us, we're glad you're maybe even for Father's Day and we're glad you're here with your family. We want you to enjoy worship with us. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this day, this Lord's Day, that we could come together and, Father, worship you. And, Father, hear from you to receive the promises that you've had for us since the moment you created us, that we could gather together in the place that you would provide and speak to us, speak to our hearts, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Father, remind us today about the importance of serving your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him, we're able to come to the throne of grace. Father, I pray this morning for a wonderful understanding of reconciliation, how our lives can be so different when we're reconciled with you. Thank you for seeking us out. Thank you for wanting to be with us. And thank you for changing us. Father, we know that we don't deserve it. We've never earned it. Father, we can't express it in words as we gather. But Lord, we do know that we can come together as a body and pray as you taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's take a moment and confess our faith together. You'll see that in the bulletin. Uh, we've taken it from our catechism questions. And so I will read the light print. If you would join together as a congregation in reading the dark print. Question 86 asks, what is faith in Jesus Christ? Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace, whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. Question 87 asks, what is repentance unto life? Repentance unto life is a saving grace, whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, doth, with grief and hatred of his sin, turn from it unto God, with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Knowing that we have a God that we confess that, that does want us to be cleansed, and we can come to him, if you would, Join with me in our confession of sin together as a body. Pray with me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. 
Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Amen. And you know, there's no other place to go in all of creation than to the scriptures who reveals to us God, a loving God, who promises to pardon us. And so in Romans 8, let me read to you an assurance of pardon, that if you have confessed your sins, he is faithful and just. It says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, and who indeed is interceding for us. Man, brothers and sisters, just know the Lord Almighty is beside the Father pleading for you. What a blessing. Well, good morning, everybody. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All right, while you're turning there and getting there, starting in verse 16, we've been studying the book of 2 Corinthians and we've been considering the question, what does it mean to be successful in ministry? Last week we learned about Paul's attitude and what governed him, what ruled his life, and it was the love of Christ. Remember, we read last week, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake was raised. So brothers and sisters, this is the context in which we will read the passage in a moment, that what does it look like to live no longer for ourselves, but for Christ, who died and was raised for us. So, let me pray for us once again. Actually, let me read and then I will pray. We'll pray for God's illumination on his word. So this is God's word from 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 16, reading through verse 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray together once more. Lord, we confess today that we need your help. We need you to open up our ears and our hearts and our minds to what you would say to us, that you would be changing us inside and out, and that we would be your ambassadors in this world 
because we have been changed, because we've been reconciled. So Lord, help us now to, to listen and learn to what you are saying to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage today is really about a new perspective, a new perspective on life. And over the past several months, I think we've all had the experience of a new perspective. Uh, a lot of us have been home a lot more than we ever have been. We've been spending a lot more time with our family if, if uh, we live uh, with others. We've had a lot more time with them. And in the past several weeks here being outside, I don't know how much time you've spent on this field. Now this is the great field where we play the Turkey Bowl football game. So this is on my mind all throughout the year. But for most of you, you're probably not thinking about this field, but look what we have right now. We get to worship the Lord and I've heard some people comment, I never noticed that big cross up there. I never even thought about it. What a wonderful thing for this building to be constructed with a cross. And who knew that we would be here worshiping the Lord together outside. So new perspectives all around. But God wants to give us a new perspective from his word today. He wants to give us a new way of seeing ourselves. He wants to give us, well, first, he wants us to see a new way of seeing others, a new way of seeing ourselves, and then a new way of thinking about our relationship with God. So those are the main points that I want to bring out today. Seeing others, seeing ourselves, and seeing our relationship with God. So, if you're going to be successful in ministry, you must be equipped with what I want to call a gospel outlook on everything. A new vision, a new way of seeing the world, a new way of seeing yourself, a new way of seeing your relationship with God. So let's get right into it. Verse 16, Paul says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. So what does it mean to regard someone according to the flesh? Well, it means to view others from a merely human perspective. This is the way that the Corinthians had been tempted to view Paul and his friends. Paul had come to town, preached the gospel, many had become Christians, a church was established, and as Paul did, he went to another town and preached the gospel there so that more people would be brought to Christ. And in the duration of time, there were others who were claiming to be Christians and they began talking to the Corinthians and saying, do you really follow Paul? Have you seen his life? Have you seen his stature? Have you seen or listened to the way that he talks? The, these false teachers were judging Paul according to worldly standards and the Corinthians were listening to them. This is what they were saying about Paul, that he was not worth listening to because one, he was not the most eloquent speaker. Two, he was not very physically impressive. Three, he worked a side job. Remember, he was a tent maker. And he did that job so that he wouldn't be a burden to the people that he preached to. And bad things were always happening to him. He was often in jail. He was beaten. He was ran out of town. He planted churches with lots of problems. Think about it. Paul the Apostle planted churches, and then we read in the epistles all the different problems that they had. We didn't have an apostle to plant our church, so maybe we're even more in trouble. But it, it shows us that no matter how good your pastor, no matter how good the founding pastor was, there are more troubles to root out. 
and there are more changes that need to take place in our minds and in our living. So we're in good company with them. But Paul's concern was that the Corinthians were listening to these voices and they were beginning to question whether Paul really was a messenger from God. Uh, but before I go any further about this, the things I just mentioned about judging people's success, they're kind of similar to the way that we judge success today. Don't we tend to elevate people who can speak well, even if their message is not very wholesome? We tend to judge people well or worthy if they look good on the outside. We esteem people who are financially prosperous, often exalting them over those who are not so prosperous. And certainly we exalt people who can stay out of jail. But Paul says, we regard no one according to the flesh. He doesn't size people up based on the standards of this world or this culture. He doesn't see people that way anymore. Paul even gives an example of the way that he used to view Jesus. He says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Now consider this question. What did the pre-Christian Paul think about Jesus? Well, when he thought about God, when Paul thought about God, he thought that following God meant opposing Jesus. And it wasn't just in his mind, and it wasn't just in the way that he talked. He, he actually, he acted it out. What did he do? Well, we see in the book of Acts that he gave his approval at the stoning of Stephen, a man who preached Christ. Instead of stopping those men from killing a man who was innocent, who was simply preaching the gospel. He gave his approval. But he also persecuted Christians and put them in jail. He chased them around. He wasn't just content to sit at home and uh, you know, tweet about it or make a Facebook post about it. He actually got out there and was arresting Christians and making sure that they were not communicating the message. And think about this, how do our non-Christian friends think about Jesus? Many of our friends think of him as a good moral teacher. Many of them think he's a good guy, but that we shouldn't get too serious about him. We shouldn't get too fanatical. Uh, and certainly they, they do not think that he is the son of God or the savior of the world. This is the way that Paul used to think about Jesus. This is the way that many of our friends, our neighbors think about Jesus. But Paul changed his thinking about Jesus when Jesus met him on the road. And we, brothers and sisters, are changed when we meet Jesus, aren't we? He gives us a new perspective. The gospel changes the way that we look at others. We regard no one according to the flesh any longer. We see people as image bearers, made in the image of God, worthy of dignity and compassion. This is what drives us to care about lives in the womb, lives in poverty, lives in our neighborhoods, in the lives of those who are oppressed. We care. We care about them because they are made in God's image. We have a very high view of people, even though we see uh, the brokenness and sin of this world. Again, it's what motivated God to reach out to us. We were broken. We were oppressed. We were in trouble. And God in his grace reached out to us and sent someone to
to preach the gospel, to share it with us, to teach it to us. Now, like many of you, I've been thinking a lot more about injustice and the racial divide in America, especially in the light of the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, many others. Now, a few things have really helped me as I seek to see my neighbors and especially my brothers and sisters in Christ in a new and God-honoring way. Uh, myself and the elders, we are in the process of reading the PCA's report two years ago. There was a PCA study commission on the topic of racial and ethnic reconciliation. Uh, this is not a document that I had read before. I'm working through it now. The elders are working through it and we're gonna be discussing it uh, very soon. Another thing that's helped me, I've been watching video discussions and panels like the ones that the Mission to North America from our denomination have been doing the past three Thursdays. Uh, the topic has been racial brokenness and our gospel response. Each one has been wonderful and eye-opening, heartbreaking at times, but I commend those to you. I'm encouraged by what is happening, good things that I see happening in our denomination. And if you need to know how to uh, access those documents, I'd be happy to help you. Also, I've been enriched through personal conversations with friends of color about their encounters with racism and their desire for others in the body of Christ to listen to their concerns. And I believe that we should do that. All in all this to say is I've learned a lot by listening and I continue to learn. But again, the gospel gives us this new way of seeing others. But it also gives us a new way of seeing ourselves. Look at verse 17 with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The gospel gives us a new way of seeing ourselves because Christ has made us new. We are not the same people that we used to be. Before you were a Christian, your life was dominated by the old order of sin, misery, and death through Adam, our first parent. Listen to what it says in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. This is our background. This is the way that we begin in the world. But in Christ, we become part of new creation, God's new creation. Just as Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead three days later, through our union with Christ, we partake of this resurrection life. Jesus was raised from the dead, and as we believe in him, when we trust in him, we are united to him. And we have the confidence and assurance that just as he was raised from the dead, we will be raised from the dead. That our bodies whatever condition they are in right now. One day we will die unless Jesus comes back first. But we have the confidence just that he was raised, we will be raised. And he is raised never to die again. He is bringing the new creation. It is the beginning of the new creation in his resurrection. That there is life that will never die and never end. Listen to what it says in Romans 5.19, contrasting what Adam did and now what Christ has done for us and is doing. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That's the bad news. 
So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Jesus is our righteous champion. He is the one who brings us confidence and hope. And we are no longer identified with this old order, even as we live in this world, even as we experience our share of brokenness, even as we observe the brokenness in our neighbors and our friends. We are no longer identified with this world. We are no longer dominated by this world. We are uh, dominated by grace of this new creation that God is bringing. When God will bring a new heavens and a new earth. We belong to this new creation. Now think about what this means for you today and the things that you're concerned about. If there's a particular sin that you're struggling with, remember what it says in Romans 6:11: Reckon yourself dead to sin but alive in Christ. This is not just a thing that you put at the end of a letter or an email, alive in Christ. This is a new, true reality about you because Christ is raised and is raised eternally. If you're worried about finances, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, Hebrews 13.5. If you're experiencing physical suffering, Peter says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. And now let me bring us back for a moment to a new way of viewing ourselves and others. This is a, a view of the future, a certain future that we all have in Christ. Revelation 7, 9, and 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. This is our destiny, brothers and sisters. All nations, all those whom God has redeemed, people who, who all different colors, it, we're all brought together in Christ, all gathered around the heavenly throne in worship, that is our destiny, and we begin to live that out now as we're on mission with God, which I'll read about in a second. Now, not only do we have a new way of viewing others and ourselves, we have a new relationship with God, a new way of looking at our relationship with God, and it's reconciliation. Look with me at verses 18 and 19. Paul says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Well, it's the reestablishment of an interrupted or broken relationship. It's a reestablishment of a broken relationship. And we must ask the question, how did our relationship with God get broken? Yes, we're concerned about relationships on the horizontal level. But first we must consider our horizontal relationship with God. How did it get broken? Who is to blame? Now our unbelieving friends, our non-Christian friends will say, there's not really a problem. I'm good, you're good. We just need the, I don't know, the right uh, educational model. We, we need the right political uh, movement. But, you know, all those things are fine. 
but those things cannot fix our relationship with God. The blame is clearly on us. This is the bad news, the offensive news. And God would be just to give us what we deserve. We trespassed his commands. Adam, our representative, sinned, and we were all brought into sin in him. He was our representative. And we sin too, all the time. But we see the glory of God's grace and mercy in sending his son to reconcile us to himself, to bring us back to God. How did God reconcile us to himself? By not counting our trespasses and sins against us. But not only that, he gave Paul and his friends a job to do, to be entrusted with the message of reconciliation. Again, Paul and his friends have been reconciled to God through Christ, and in that same calling to belong to God, they are also called to spread this message to the world, to whoever God brings across their path. Look with me at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Paul and his friends have been reconciled to God. They've been brought back into a right relationship with God. And now they speak on God's behalf to others so that they would be reconciled too. Again, the Corinthians were tempted to believe if Paul really was a messenger from God. And that's why Paul cared about it. He didn't care that the Corinthians thought he was weird or, or quirky or was in jail too much. What he cared about was is if they still believed the message that Paul preached them at first, were they still holding on to that message? The sad thing about the Corinthians is they were standing in judgment upon the one who brought them the message of reconciliation, who brought them into a right relationship with God. They were questioning if he was really a messenger from the Lord. That's what Paul cares about. That's what pastors and elders care about. That's what you should care about. When our friends say, how can you say that Jesus is the son of God? How can you say that he is the only way? Who gave you the right? And we say, this is what it says in his word. And not only that, he has changed my life. What the Bible describes about the human condition and what it describes about the glory of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God to you and to me, it's good news. It makes sense if we would only humble ourselves. If we would realize that sin even affects the way that we think. And the fundamental problem that Adam embraced and the fundamental problem of sinful humanity is that we reject God's plan for us. We rejected that he really loved us. We rejected that he had what was best for us. And then the mind of sinful man rejects God's promise, rejects God's standard. And the only hope for sinful mankind is that his heart, her heart, would be uh, enlightened, would be open to the gospel, would be open to the grace of God to see one's true condition. Verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Brothers and sisters, this is the great exchange of the gospel. Jesus gets our sin and unrighteousness 
and we get his righteousness through what he did for us. We receive it by faith. Jesus did not become a sinner, but he truly took our sin. He truly took our burdens upon himself. He took the sin that we deserved. He died. And three days later, he rose from the dead. We get his righteousness applied to us when we believe. It's like if you got a D, that are worse yet, an F on your report card. But then, I don't know, the smartest kid in class gets the best grade and his grade or her grade is applied to you and you get that A+. Jesus gives us his A+, his perfect record as if we did it. He took our sin and we get his righteousness. It's amazing. It, it is unbelievable if we really think about it. So we get his righteousness applied to us when we believe, but then we actually become righteous as we look to him by faith and walk in obedience. As we look to Jesus day by day, as we follow his word, as we repent of sin, as we repent of apathy, uh, as we repent of our sins that God brings our way each day, the Holy Spirit is showing us the ways that we have fallen short. But he does that in love so that we would repent and believe and see more and more about what Jesus did for you and for me. Again, especially if you came to Christ as a child, you didn't know all the sins that Jesus died for yet. And even right now, you probably don't realize all that you've done or all that you've left undone. Uh, but we have a loving Father. We have a loving Savior. We have a loving Holy Spirit who shows us where we have failed. And he shows us that so that we would be reconciled to God afresh, so that we would be in tune with him, that we would be in tune with seeing the world the way that he sees the world and wants us to see the world. So we're becoming righteous. We're becoming more like Christ as we live by faith. But when we see him face to face, we will truly be righteous. What has been declared over us and what was progressively working in us will be fully made a reality when we're in Christ's presence. That's something to look forward to. So wrapping up here, if you are going to be successful in ministry, you need to be equipped with this gospel outlook. You need to see others in a new way. You need to see yourself in a new way. You need to see yourself as a new creation, as part of the new creation. You're no longer identified with this world. We live in this world. We care about this world. We care about our neighbors in this world. But our destination is with God in the new creation. And those should be our priorities. Those should change the way that we live each and every day, the way that we speak the way that we listen, the way that we interact with others. And we have a new way of looking at our relationship with God. By grace, we have been reconciled to God. God reconciled us to himself. He didn't do anything wrong. We're the ones who were in the wrong, and he moves toward us. So we've been reconciled to God if we trust in Jesus, and then we move out toward others so that they would be reconciled to God. I hope that you're praying for your neighbors. I hope that you're praying for your coworkers, your family members who are not Christians, that God would be working in their hearts and that God would be working in your heart to reach out to them, not lording it over them, not uh, being proud and pompous, but in humility, reaching out to them in love and saying, I need this message too. I need the grace of God. I fail every day, 
but God moved toward me in grace and reconciled me to himself. Can I tell you about that? Pray for those opportunities. God will use you. God is working in you. Again, think about who shared the gospel with you and how many times it took. But God was working in your life and God was working in my life to bring us to himself. And now God wants us to eagerly participate in reconciling more and more people to himself through what his son did. So the name of the message today was be reconciled to God. So be reconciled in your thinking about others. Be reconciled to God in your thinking about yourself and uh, be reconciled to God's perspective on what it took to bring you back into a right relationship. Excuse me with him. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you for this time. Thank you for the truth of your word that speaks to us, that shows us a new way of thinking, a new reality. A reality that looks weak in the eyes of others, but is so strong and powerful in our lives. We ask God that you would forgive us of our sins, forgive us for uh, not living in light of your perspective. Forgive us for forgetting how you've reconciled us to yourself because you love us and you sent Jesus to save us and you sent your spirit to live within us to make us more like the son of God. And we ask all these things in Jesus name. Amen. So hear God's blessing from the end of second Corinthians, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy spirit be with you all. Amen.